certain town that's dear to me, home to Mohawks and G. It's called Schenectady. I was born. Synecdoche, New York, proves most elusive when you're trying to pinpoint its core themes. As the main protagonist, Caden Cotard, states deep into the drama, it's not a play just about death, it's about everything. At first glance, the plot of Synecdoche, New York is a simple one. An aging and self-centered theater director juggles his fraying family life alongside an artistic project whose scope and profundity only grows more unmanageable as time pushes forward. Yet, it is in this initial simplicity of plot where the more nuanced layers of the film begin to take shape and creep into center stage. Caden must deal with a stalker shadowing his every move, his growing fondness for another woman, Hazel, who shows him a level of interest and intimacy always missing at home, and finally, the play, an endeavor so gargantuan the whole of civilization crumbles before it is ever released to the public. But more on that later. We first meet Caden in middle age and at a point of deep stagnation in his life. Although he serves as the main focal point for almost the entire film, there exists a universalizing component to his tribulations, be they of his own creation or as a result of him being made to play yet another character in the theater of his own life. He's complicit in a loveless marriage, has deep existential worries about the meaning of his work, all the while being chronically ill, be it true or in his mind as another matter. Caden exudes a sort of paradoxical aura that magnetizes you to look deeper into his point of view, while also acting as a repellent when his pathologies show themselves at their most destructive. It is through this lens that we experience the other characters and come to understand how each of their individual journeys comes to make up the entirety of the story, synecdoches representing a whole. In this, our first episode, we will dip our toes into the deep pool of potential meaning that is Synecdoche, New York, to dissect and seek to understand Caden and the characters as he hoped to understand all of humanity through his last great play. All right, well, let's get going then. Uh, well, you want to introduce yourself first? Sure. Well, I'm Kevin. My name is Jose. Today we're discussing Synecdoche. Yeah, Synecdoche, New York, the movie that probably none of you have ever heard of before, but that's all right, though, you know, we kind of like, we kind of <laughs> like them fresh, we like, a, we like it to begin with a little bit of mystery, you Yeah, know? we're gonna be putting on uh, a lot of people to something completely, you know, at least you put me onto this, you brought, you're like, dude, you gotta see this, you came over, and you watched it with yeah. me, uh, it is definitely the movie, once you watch it, you want somebody else to also experience that, and what did I just see? You exactly. Know you want to have either a either a personal or a virtual hand holder while you're watching <laughs> this movie the whole time. I'm telling you, even I myself, the reason I got inducted into even watching this film is because I watched light analyses on it, you know, and they did a wonderful job of not uh, spoiling any of the more deeper intricacies of the movie, but still like putting that hook out. Yeah, everybody knows right. what that hook feels like, you know, yeah. when it's like, okay, you know what you want to see, you know what you want. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to kind of start with a tough, with a, with a tougher project and then slightly go into more, you know, pop, you know, more deeper pop culture situations. We were talking about doing an Infinity War one in the future, oh, too, Infinity you War know, it's good. like. I think there's a lot to say there, Westworld. Exactly. Uh, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. good content out there but yeah we're gonna we want to start running. from left field you know because everybody's <laughs> our, everyone's running that way we're trying to zigzag our way to a more interesting time you know exactly. what i mean make, it's like make our kind of stand here yeah exactly so uh synecdoche um from a 
first watch, as far as like between the both both of us, me having watched it, uh, the latest, uh, it was actually a difficult movie to watch because it um it was more because. Like you follow the main character and he's such a loser. He is, Kaden isn't is he? Such a oh. loser, and you're just like, man, this is so difficult to watch somebody come like fail and fail and <laughs> and fail every social situation. You're just mm-hmm. like cringing, like, oh, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If anything, to me personally, I, I find that, and in, in, I even mentioned it in the introduction. That's mm-hmm. that weird aura, you know, because. You as a person who perceives that wants to themselves to succeed, you know, and whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're trying to do, you want to keep yourself away from exactly those kind of people, the people right. that will want to bring you down, that not even not even intentionally, you can kind of just feel it in like their third world, like point of view kind of situation. Like everything sucks. Like my yeah. left arm hurts. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, no, I can't go out, man. My left arm hurts. It's you, like, <sighs> you definitely feel bad for Caden. Um, and that's the thing, he does suck you into his point of view in the sense that he's not, like, doing anything wrong in a sense. Like, there's a lot of people where, like, a lot of what he does seems justified. Uh, okay. Something about Caden's okay. character, um, he's always complaining about, oh, I feel like I'm dying, right? Mm-hmm. He he's He looks older. Um, and Older than 35 for sure, de- right? <laughs> right, like, when he said 35. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, this guy cannot be, mm-hmm. but uh, he looks pretty, you know, he looks older and you're like, okay, if you put yourself in his shoes, maybe you'd start worrying about this kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. we're both in our 20s right now, so we probably think we're going to live forever, but... Uh, well, I've confirmed it already, <laughs> so... Yeah, but Caden, yeah. <laughs> so you kind of get sucked into it and even everything that happens to him, he takes it with like a kind of two scoops of salt that's what it kind of feels like to me you know right and he's trying to be a nice guy he's always being a nice guy he's letting he lets kind of life walk over him in a sense yep because he's so when his wife leaves him you're just like but you don't know. you think that that kind of makes it so in a you know and perhaps i'm thinking about it far too uh antagonistically you know but i think it actually makes a a lot more sense because there is no direct antagonist in this movie there is no that guy over there is trying to make his life horrible it is always a look in the mirror kind of situation right and a person who is all schlubby like that you would think that they would enjoy the woe is me ammunition that comes along with always being like oh well i'm so meek i'm gonna let life walk all over me oh Mm -hmm. look what life is doing to me like You know, it's like they become surprised at their own demise, essentially. Yeah, I think, you know, he holds that to his character so much. It's kind of like a scapegoat, you know, and it's like it's his excuse for um, I I think uh, an interesting part in that movie is like, okay, his wife leaves him Mm -hmm. and you do feel like, okay, she's kind of a jerk for doing this to him. And he's like, she's like giving him this BS excuse like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, correct. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and and so early in the movie too. Really? You know? Yeah, and uh, it's it's only when you see it from the per- perspective of a stalker where you think yeah. about it in a different way. Where you, uh, Sammy's like, yes. "Why did we leave Adele? Why did we leave exactly? It's like she left me. Yeah, you know, like, she left us. She left us. Oh, That's yeah, what, yeah, right. Yeah. He's and, already integrated Sammy a little bit into himself. And, right. and even then he's like, and Sammy doesn't fight him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's, that's one thing about 
the shadow that we're going to get into a little later, you know, mm-hmm. that the whole talking about the concept of there's always something being whispering in the back of your ear telling you, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you feel like something is either going right or can is going wrong and you want to just continuously veer it off the rails. Right. You know? You know, actually, that wasn't the first time he was confronted with a different perspective of Ooh. how that went down. It was when, uh, what is Adele's friend's name? Maria. Maria. Maria the pedo. He goes, <laughs> he goes <laughs> to try to find his daughter. Yes. And Maria tells him, like, how could you, I, you know, like, it's like a totally alternate history of what happened and what went down, you know? Yes. And, and I was, I've, you know, and this is actually one of those situations where the multi-view perspective that I hold mm-hmm. actually can shine through. Because what if we think about it in the perspective that it isn't a lie? Like, what if when Caden says, I don't have a homosexual partner named Eric, spoilers, uh, <laughs> that... Perhaps there is maybe a grain of salt, of, I mean, a grain of truth to that, just a tiny right. one. Like, because right. you consider the concept that at the beginning of the movie, within three minutes, you know, they're married and Adele's leaving him. You know, it's mm. like, it's a quick, it feels like a quick thing from our point of view, but it's been months, man. Right. The newspaper, the TVs, everything showcases that months have gone by between every instance and nothing has changed. Right. So... Who's to say that a man so schlubby like that could potentially not ha- end up having, you know, <laughs> an episode like that? You imagine that an episode like that, you know, some sort of, let's, you know, let's just say slip, you know, mm-hmm. just to give him as much credit of, you know, credit as we possibly can happens in one day, right? you know, and then you layer over that months upon months at a time. But that hurt still stay, stays there, you know, right. it stays there forever. I think, uh. Uh, what you're saying is interesting, especially about how the director set up this movie. It's such a dreamlike movie. And I always wonder, we're talking about how did Adele leave Caden, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, or Caden leaving Adele in that alternate, you know, he's seeing it this way. Everybody mm-hmm. has a different perspective of that story. And as the movie goes on, you realize you can't even trust the main character's perspective. No, you know, not he's, not, he's not a reliable reality anchor and especially how this movie deals with time when you when you uh when you brought that up because like he's like going out to get the paper and he comes back inside and it's been months you know it's it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh he's talking to hazel or weeks uh, at the very least right and it's like you know all our lives are about that to a certain degree that dream-like state where you know you you have those dreams where you're like uh, maybe you're a certain age and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're you're older in the same dream. So it it was funny where Hazel's like, you know, um, Adele's been gone for like eight a years. Year. Or so, like, a year. Was it a year? It was. Okay. But the, yeah, the first at the first uh, pre, pre her leaving scene, you know, mm-hmm. where they're at the bar, you know, and she's like pushing them to like go with him and stuff. Right. You know? And that's the that's the moment she goes home crying, remember? Right. <laughs> yeah. She wants to smoke weed with him in the car. I was wondering what that symbolized. Why specifically, you know, Why she high. likes to get high, my friend. Right. <laughs> I, I was wondering what that kind of meant with their relationship. You right. It's like specifically, let's go... Loose enough, this. maybe. I think right. that's, that's perhaps what it is. It seems like Hazel is almost like, a, like the universe's, like potion for Caden, you know right. what I mean? It, it and but always it is, just an it, inch away, always, you know? Right. It, but in the sense that 
I mean, uh, Hazel is definitely good for Caden. Okay, yeah. But the problem is, it's like, even in the beginning, it's like, okay, you know he's married. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, is he going to take this leave? And and then in the beginning, you're like, well, he shouldn't, you know, course, he yeah, should be loyal to his wife, mm-hmm. whatever. And then, you know, as, as things go on, you're like, damn, he should have just went for it. <laughs> kind of how, yeah, the, the, the layering of time once again shows you a right. different picture. And mm-hmm. the further and further you get away from it, because it kind of makes you wonder whether... It has a it has a lot to say about the concept of fidelity, you know, especially in a in a situation where you're no longer having a, an in, any intimacy. You know, you 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 see the scenes of them going to the to the psychiatrist. You know, right. they are a whole sofa apart from each other at all times. That's you know, true. every single time, and you can see that. And Adele, you can see the fact that just being there, having to talk about each other, is like sucking her dry. You know? Oh man, the stuff that she says to yeah, Katie is yeah, just so it's like, can I say something horrible? Right. How <laughs> does like, that yes, make you feel? Please, <laughs> <laughs> just rips out his heart. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, <laughs> he just takes it. Um, but yeah, like I have said, have you ever watched the death of a salesman before? No, I no. haven't. No. Neither have I. That's a, that might be something to look into in the future because supposedly that's another real like existentialist film, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and that's the reason why I believe that they chose that to be Caden's last like, um, like interpretive film, you know. Mm-hmm. Supposedly Willie Loman, I believe, you know, some of the people in the comments are probably gonna absolutely kill me if I get it wrong, but supposedly Willie Loman is the main the main guy and he's the salesman and his son eventually grows disillusioned by him you know like we all grow disillusioned by appearance so like framing this uh, uh it would the title was death of a salesman Sales, death of a salesman and this is a play that Caden has in the yes at the very beginning at mm-hmm. the, the the one that he's trying to get adele to get uh, all excited right. about it's a remake yeah it's a remake it's a yeah. remake exactly and adele's you know? just like mm-hmm. not having no it. no not about <laughs> it i got yeah i have tiny port beautiful portraits at home to go work on you know what i mean it's like that was an interesting uh, thing the, between Caden and Adele's work, too, where you He's realized interpretive. as his projects get bigger, hers get smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's, it, it, it actually, um, I think I saw this on the Your Movie Suck analysis of this video, and I was like, Big man, shout out totally, to them, by the way. Definitely, oh, they did man. a great Big job. Big shout out. It's definitely Finish it. huge. <laughs> There's more parts coming. Yeah, it's it's definitely a huge undertaking. So kudos to them. Um, it it was crazy. They pointed that out. Like, Caden's plays get larger and larger. Mm-hmm. He's like encompassing like a whole city, and Adele's uh, portraits get smaller and smaller. Yeah. And it's it, it it's a metaphor for their perspectives, right? So Caden is obsessed with this big. Uh, outlook on things he can't really control you know what's gonna happen uh he he you know with death and like this whole thing where he's obsessed about him dying inevitabilities right inevitabilities Mm -hmm. that he can't control where uh and you kind of see it in the way he he explains stuff to his daughter you know instead of just giving her the you know like simple like a child you'll get it yeah, a right? child version yeah <laughs> daddy what's on your face it's oh it's pustules psych- yeah. what <laughs> psychosis you know right <laughs> <laughs> do you, 
explaining. He has like, to make everything difficult. Difficult. Just and like, Adele and says that. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. And Adele is totally fine with. She she has the perspective that you know, even if it's she's not giving her child the true explanation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to her questions. As long as she's happy, that's what matters, right? Yeah. And you can, can kind of see that. In that her already work. is yeah, it's such a, such a rift in parenting, you know, right. that. I can I can only imagine how what it could have only gotten worse as Olive got older if they would have stuck together. Mm. You know the amount of resentment and stuff that would have just spoiled. Right. Or maybe he wouldn't have cared. Who knows? You know, it's hard <laughs> to say. It's so yeah. hard to say. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, one thing that really struck me as I thought more about the differences between Adele and and Caden's uh, work and artwork is the fact that. Adele has multiple projects complete. She finishes her stuff, you know? Mm. She has them all the way up to the point that she has galleries in Germany. She's got mm. galleries in New York. She's got, you know, even even Sammy, supposedly, uh, you know, what we would consider Caden's shadow and the more darker aspects of can't even speak ill of Adele. He's like, that's she's the best artist that the world has ever seen, you know? Right, right. And so what what does that say then in terms of the fact that Caden lives and dies without ever having anyone actually see his play. You know, right. everyone only ever gets to experience the play, whoever is, you know, working it, but no one actually ever gets to see it. He, there is no interpretation to it. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing. Even he himself at the end grows tired of being himself. It's crazy. It's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous that there is actually even an opportunity for him to be able to go off into a softer role. You know, <laughs> it's like... You know, it's like yeah, it's like you're you're all you're all tired from you know having to work every day. Right. You Let know, it's direct. Like, yeah. You can you mm-hmm. can go back to your cleaning. Yeah, and that, yeah, that actually you... brings up a good segue <laughs> to the cleaning. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, your movie suck put uh, brought this up as well. It's it's only when he's cleaning and he's taking his mind off of his uh, this existential kind of everything is wrong with the world kind of outlook and I'm dying mm-hmm. um, is when he, you kind of see there's normal television, right? Yes. Like it's, it, you, cause usually the, the TV will reflect his inner state. And um, when, when he's cleaning, he's in a mental state for once where he's not thinking about it. He's not thinking about that that inevitable death that's coming and everything that's wrong with his body. He's just cleaning and he's happy. He's got tangible aims. Right. You know, his, he's focusing on something. Exactly. Focusing. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and the moment that's done, the scope, (laughs) the scope gets so big and he's like, Oh my Lord, I'm only one little thing, you know? Right. Yeah. It, uh, that, I mean, that in and of itself already speaks volumes to the kind of situation that everybody has to deal with. You know, it's like you have, you want to pick up, the load that you could ca- uh, carry the best. And at the same time, it's like a Sisyphean task because you know eventually you're going to have to put down that load because you'll either grow too old to be able to carry it mm-hmm. or you'll actually complete it. That's another situation. Is, the, is another one of the concepts that no one ever bothers to really talk about is what happens once you complete that, you know, the big right. project. You know, it's like right. a lot of people end up just floating out in the middle of space because they feel just like Hayden. Once the cleaning is done, you know, 
Right. What am I going to do? You brought up this uh, philosophical term when we were just when you uh, we were talking about this film earlier. You said solipsisms. Solipsism. Yeah, I believe that's the right way to say it. Everybody, once again, in the comments, you can fix us up, <laughs> show us how to say it the right way. But that's how we think we say it: solipsism. And no matter what, what it, yeah, supposedly what it means is that it's a. Uh, it's either a theory or kind of like a almost a delusion. You know, when all theories are, I mean, all like right. uh, philosophical schools are a delusion to a certain degree. You know, like it's just the axiom that you yourself are the only thing you can know for sure exists. Everybody mm. else is just it could they can be a figment. They could maybe not be, but at the same time, you can't ever for sure know that who you're talking to, you know, or any other aspect of reality is not just. A projection of your own, you know, of your own mind. I think that kind of speaks volumes to the way the the movie is in general. Because it seems like everything is an extension of Caden. You know, the TV is always reflecting what he's thinking. And um, every character seems like it's part of him. Like, they don't have any existence outside of like how they relate to Caden in a sense. So you can kind of see his second wife. Mm-hmm. She's Claire. just yeah, she's just this empty she's an actor, you know, and uh there's that part where she's like, "Okay, what do you want from me?" Mm-hmm. Uh and it's like, "What? What do you want from my character?" It's like, it's well, like, we'll, like build we'll build it. Build it, it yes, we'll build we, it over time. Right. We'll model it on a real person. That's right. the really interesting <laughs> aspect of it is the fact that he tells he lays it off for her clean. Right. And just like her last name says, she's keen on doing it, you know. Right. The she movie Keen. The movie kind of takes that that concept and really runs with it, especially with uh, his second daughter, where they don't even name her. No, She's no, so her name's to... Ariel. Ariel. Right. See, you can't, they, you can't even remember it. <laughs> he even he, he himself's like, I want to, I want to come back to you and all. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was very true. It's uh, because ev- everybody else is just a prop. Everyone else is just kind Seems. of a stand, stand, st- stand in for the real thing. You know, mm-hmm. his real daughter. What I can only imagine he considers Adele still to be his real wife. Right. Since they never even spoke about the concept of them actually getting divorced. That's true. I can only imagine left. that he might have just like stopped his feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you're going to come back to New York and we're going <laughs> to fix this, you know? Yeah. And maybe like because she's a whole continent away that eventually it just disillusioned. You know what I mean? Like there was just like a, almost like an expungement or so weird, um, some weird thing, you know? Yeah, she's that... married to Hans and who, I don't even know the other guy's name, but she married twice, baby. She she went and got it. That, in was, York, in that was like a weird OCD moment watching that film where I didn't get closure for like, are they, I mean, are they still together? Like, you, can you just do that? You know, just leave and just never come back. Never you like feel like Caden once again. Right. It's like because mm-hmm. he doesn't get any closure, at least as far as we understand that's it. True. You know, he never gets to. I want. That's the weird thing about this. These weird time jumps. You know, when it starts going from mm-hmm. weeks to months to years, it's like was there ever actually a moment that they came back? Maybe for like a day. It's right. like did he genuinely not see his daughter ever again from the until, moment that she leave from yeah, Germany until she dies? Until she dies. Yeah. Um, it's like. We once again no closure, and how could we get closure? You know, because we're not Caden. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're we're once again trying to squeeze ourselves into his shoes as much as we can to try to you know. It's a trippy film, man. Yeah. Uh, there was an interesting uh, thing they brought up on the Your Movie Suck analysis. Um, the idea that Caden's this movie is actually 
Caden's already dead. There's that oh. line, Caden is a man who's already dead, mm-hmm. right, in the film. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people who watch this film uh, come up with the interpretation that he's in purgatory. Okay. Like, this is... Because you see, he's always concerned. It, like, he's in purgatory and he mm-hmm. has no idea. Right. And it's funny because he's always concerned about he's he's about to die. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, one person who doesn't die. He's the Toward, person that lasts the, the end, most. Right. Yeah. Finally, at the end, everybody's gone and it's still him. And um, it's, it's, it's crazy. What do you think about that kind of idea? I find that completely possible. <laughs> but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily have to be literal to my, right. to my sense. Because you can live in purgatory just fine, you know, right now while <laughs> right. you're still how breathing. You know? <laughs> you know, like how could you possibly know? If your life is always the same and there are no ebbs and flows anymore, what, mm. is, what other definition to purgatory is there, you know, other than that? You, have, you killed yourself one day by, by saying, I am not going to do X thing anymore. You know, mm. maybe you were slighted so hard that you decided to commit what Albert Camus has often cited as being called philosophical suicide. Right. Where you just decide that, you know, I'm either going to pledge myself to something that is not me or I'm going to just say, screw it and induct myself into pretty much the the mausoleum of nihilism because you become like a walking dead in that situation yeah you know and that's what Caden kind of almost represents is when you see him and he you know it almost feels like the entirety of the world is like weighing down on 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 him for no reason especially when you start to look at the smaller details behind the movie and Mm -hmm. start to notice that the world is going to hell around them it is like it turns into right uh, Some sort of weird post-apocalypse situation. Yeah, it's a weird po- post-apocalyptic. Everything around that stage uh, that he's set up is just going to going to shit, mm-hmm. and he's just stuck in his own world. And yeah, he, you can kind of see him always. There's multiple points in the movie where he just ignores the suffering of others. Yes, and very, he's very totally clearly. <laughs> yeah, the, into his his own deal. And, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know whether to call that solipsism or that's just narcissism you know right. the, totally the, a narcissist i would say yeah and it's it, this self-loathing though it's like passive defeatist narcissism because mm-hmm. us, usually narcissists are like i'm the best thing ever where Caden's like woe is me i'm going through the worst you know like my troubles are the only troubles that, that matter that matter yeah and uh it's 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 kind of weird. <laughs> it's very, very hard, especially considering that other people, like such as Claire, they be, they enable him at first. Right. They enable that that Claire kind of being the actor. That yeah the a, yeah the actress the actress the turned actress, wife yes actress yeah. turned wife you know turned ex wife it kind of seems like there's a like a nice linear pattern mm-hmm. as to who you know right it also makes you wonder you know the if we're talking about the scenes we never get to see, if even pre-movie, you know, like what kind of person was Caden to even be able to attract Adele to, know, you know, right? to him to begin with? Maybe like, he wasn't always that way. That's, that's extra scary to think about, you know? But then again, with Adele's character, she just makes decisions so spon- spontaneously. That's and, true. Uh, it could be that she, she just got pregnant, just got into it. Not even, you know, thinking that this would be okay. 
And, you're right. You know? You're right. Because she even mentioned that the psychiatrist, we, we, you're like, did the baby change anything? And they're like, uh, yes, the change. Right. Like, Kane's all like excited. It's like, it changed a lot of things. And she's like, it might have not changed enough, you know? <laughs> right. That's uh, true. It's Maybe that's what she thought. Like, uh, she thought having a baby with Kaden might make the relationship different, but it didn't. And uh, even with her going to. Germany, you just see her make these decisions on a whim. She even when she says, "I don't know what I'm doing." Right, right. and we never see her again once she goes off to Germany. Like That's she true. is cut off. The only times you, you see know. her are magazines. Right. Yeah, and you hear her voice. Her voice. Right. Yes, and it never is speaking to Caden. That's another weird thing. It always, it's always like she always thinks she's talking to Ellen. Mm. Every single time, even when Caden calls her and he has that uh, that shaking attack, right. she's at a party and she's like, "Ellen, it's like sorry, I'm famous." And then she <laughs> the funny thing is, they they do play with uh, his identity as far as is he Ellen or not. That was an interesting because uh, even the the lady who. The old lady who meets him in the hallway and sees him. Right, right. Like, she oh. calls him Alan. Like, right. And it's like, you watch a, like a schlubby man like, uh, you know, like Caden Cotard walk down the street. You don't think woman. You know right, I mean? right. And he goes with it. He does. But then there's also that moment where he's on the toilet. And he and he just kind of like uses the bathroom like a woman would. So it's, because he's being told by Millicent or Millicent Caden, uh, you know, she at that point she's speaking into his ear and she's right. like wipe, and uh, he does it because he he's once again he's tired apparently of being of having any autonomy. I think that the whole concept of autonomy and the loss of it is just interesting as a whole. Well, he gives it up, right? Yeah, um, entirely. He becomes a character in his own play. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was just meta in how it's a play about life and the characters are playing themselves and then you're watching a movie about it, which is just, you know, that art imitating life kind of thing. Continuously. Uh, but just and hitting you over the head with that. You don't ex- <laughs> yeah, and you don't exactly know where the where it ends. Like mm-hmm. does it if it even if there's even like a like a prime origin of this whole situation, you know? It kind of goes back to that whole idea of where we were talking about, are these characters real or are they just characters in in Caden's mind, in this sense? Is that what we're watching? Because while we're while he Caden is creating this gargantuan play, mm-hmm. they, they start playing with this idea of um, how... Uh, what was the the lady's name? Mill- Millicent. Millicent, Millicent yep. starts playing Caden, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a woman playing Caden. And everybody's starting to have different people kind of play their roles. And so it, 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 this fluidity of identity starts happening. And everyone seems entirely okay with it is also another thing. It's like everyone begins to uh, be far more uh, okay with the concept of as you mentioned, the fluidity of just changing roles as you go along. Right. That even that, you know, that, that guy that becomes his, um, his new, like number two after, after Hazel dies in the, from the fire. And, uh, mm-hmm. finally, you know, he's, he's always talking about how he doesn't, he didn't believe in Millicent when, you know, when they first did the casting, he, he, for some reason thought that Caden was like a more positive, like a more hope. He saw right. it as a more hopeful story. <laughs> and Caden's like, uh, no, no, like she's got Actually. it perfectly. Yeah, That's it's me. actually perfect right That's, there. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. And even how Sammy starts 
living Caden's life for him and better and right and better, better. And, uh, that oh yeah we we did bring that up how you thought uh, Sammy is Caden's shadow in a mm-hmm. sense like a Jungian shadow yes um, where when I looked at that I thought rather he was a reflection of if Caden acted the way you wanted him to you know if he mm. took the chance with hazel if he was you know assertive outgoing you know what i'm saying totally. like a better version of him rather than not like a negative version of him like uh, uh his bad features it was more like it was his the fulfilled version Caden, in a sense totally you know i'm kind of thinking about it in the sense of if we want to keep it within like the theater motif that it kind of seems like the play i mean like the movie wants it wants itself to set up itself as you could kind of see sammy as like the understudy of Caden. you know the guy the guy who's always like there in case the main actor like breaks his leg or something it's like you can go off and be the guy that's you know he's always he's always taking notes he's always leaning he's always leaning forward trying to trying to really get the feel of what it means to be Caden. so So it's almost like the play was already going already going the beginning Mm -hmm. so that was that's (laughs) it kind of almost makes it it kind of almost makes it feel as though the moment sammy starts watching him and when we start watching him too Mm -hmm. like that's when it's the beginning you know yeah and uh yeah i mean it could it could play into pretty much like the like the quasi tagline of the movie that hazel keeps saying about how like the end is built into the beginning you know like that 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 definitely is uh um you know you have those situations sammy's being caden even mm-hmm. when he's not under uh you know like actually under doing directive his, yes. right doing his role in the play just being caden so then you start getting this like you don't know what's real in the sense you start getting really confused about uh characters and um it's this whole dream like uh build of how they 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 filmed this and they put this story together is is really trippy and that whole uh that saying the end is built into the beginning we see that in the burning house that hazel buys yeah it's like (laughs) you know it's so real because sure you might be buying a house but it's you know you're buying the house that you die in for maybe some reason in the you know and it takes her she eventually dies from the fire, mm-hmm. and it's it is that where the the end was already built into the beginning, right? Does is the fire happening always? Is it there now? But it's it's there eventually, and it is what kills her, you know. So it might as well always be there. You know what I'm saying? If she if you could see it, would you still buy that house? And would you still you know? Um, it almost feels as though it's a bit of a structural chaos. Like it's like a perf like that house is like the perfect marriage between you know the structure. I mean the structure that is a house. You know because a house is an orderly uh, is an orderly construct to a certain extent, and then the fire, which is like the uh, like the epitome of chaos, mm-hmm. and then the two are always working in conjunction because the house never burns down. You know right. the house is there for years and decades, and even before Hazel comes, the house has been there always burning. Right. She liked the house. And wanted to buy it when it was burning. So that means that like something, some, 
it kind of speaks to her own character, you know, because she see. wants to have a, she wants to have like a, a very normal life, like she and she has it with uh, Derek or Eric, whoever the guy is that she ends up like marrying and having right. kids with. She lives that lifestyle, but then the moment that she gets a chance to be with, as you mentioned, Sammy, like uh, a Caden that is actually fun to be around, you know, like mm. she jumps at it right away. She becomes she becomes unfaithful to her husband, you know, and they end up getting separated. She at the one of the very last lines that Hazel mentions is the fact that she doesn't get along with her daughter. So who knows how many kids she's got, you know, mm-hmm. it's like so it's there's just a whole litany of things behind the curtain always happening that you can't even right. conceptualize. You I know, guess for me, the fire, I was thinking of it as maybe they're playing with time as mm. they've always been playing with yeah. time. So I'm like, am I trusting that this fire is happening right now? Is it, is this house always on fire? And uh, like, it's absurd to think like, you know, a, a, a house can burn for 20 years or how long she was in there. So I was just thinking, okay, the end is built into the beginning mm-hmm. where this fire is the cause of her death eventually. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, the the house will burn <laughs> like um, or the house will kill you the house that's, is gonna kill that's you. what it is because mm-hmm. even the real estate agent says it's a very tough decision how, how one chooses to die to die you exactly know? yeah exactly so that it's like you yeah, that's what you're choosing mm-hmm. and everybody is always choosing that the thing that you love might be the thing that kills you you know mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know for me i really like cars you know mm-hmm. and that's that's a total risk yeah you buy that really nice sports car you might it might be the vehicle that (laughs) kills you totally and you can and you can completely uh like take that idea and splice it anywhere within anyone's life you know Mm -hmm. you're talking about a job you have a job that you dislike to a certain degree that job is going to kill you you know that that little bit of animosity that you hold every single day that you bring to the table adds Mm -hmm. up Every single time. And if you do nothing about it, it will eventually come to the point that you're also going to wake up one day, go to work and potentially die right there. Right. You know, and some people would love the ability to die at their job. You know, like some people, (laughs) you know, some people genuinely love what they do. And it's like if there is an opportunity to choose how one is going to die, you know, like they kind of put themselves in a situation where they are always uh, in like... um, insinuating death almost like they're bringing it a little closer every single time they do what they love right you know and i find that's kind of what makes um you know if we're talking about it in an artistic sense i guess that's kind of what makes beautiful art almost you know it's like when you you try to see you know it's always almost a stereotype at this point uh, considering the concept of the like uh hurt artist you know and how even at their lowest at their lowest places is when they manage to be able to like eject or like uh mine out the best in themselves and bring it back to us normal people essentially you know Mm -hmm. it's like there are people out there that are submerged in like in depression you know they're submerged in whatever other psychological trauma might be haunting them but at the same time they have the bravery to be able to enact like a piece of art you know either through writing music whatever you know and then you as a person you know you and i myself too as a person who perhaps don't suffer from those afflictions we can see that and be like oh man we can have some it fosters empathy 
I think, right. if anything, you know. And I, I think if, if, uh, if we're going to bring all that back to Synecdoche, that perhaps is exactly what Caden wants to do with this play as a whole. And that's why he even says every sing- there are no side characters here. Every single person, you know, is the main, is the main character. Mm. And uh, he considers that, that line so profound at that funeral that he has it remade, like, right <laughs> away. <Yeah. laughs> he has it remade right away. Mm. But, but let's notice then. Let's notice that Millicent, when she becomes Caden, she's not okay with the concept of just recreating life for life's right. sake. I I did like that because I felt when I was watching Caden do this, I'm like, this is not art. You know, you're Mm -hmm. imitating life, (laughs) but it's not like you're not pulling the meaning out of it. And that's what um, and that's what we're trying to do, because that's what art does. You know, it it can take a normal everyday scene, but it, it, it brings out the meaning that you might have missed in your exactly every day looking at that same situation once it's put on a canvas and uh the the artist is able to highlight those areas in which there's additional meaning that's i feel like that's what makes art so when there's that uh that scene that millicent redoes with Mm -hmm. with the funeral and she has him actually she pumps it right she really pumps it and she dramatizes it yes that's the word that's the that's the right word for it yes exactly so it makes it an epic it's Mm -hmm. like okay we do we want to if we're gonna hear a story do you want it to be you know just a normal story that you hear from anybody else or do you want it to sound like odyssey and have dragons Mm -hmm. you know you're slaying it's a metaphor for life yeah of course it it imitates uh, the journey of a soul Mm -hmm. but um you know the the way that you tell it is able to give the the um the the moral the viewer yeah. more meaning through the metaphors mm-hmm. that is used uh so i thought i thought that was pretty cool that they did that cuz i thought Caden was kind of missing the point here cuz it's like okay you recreate life but mm-hmm. Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially for a person yeah. who's already so pessimistic, you know, mm-hmm. like to to consider the to consider the the job of having to recreate every aspect and every scene of life mm-hmm. as some sort of interpretation as is of life is you know like you said it's boring you know like who wants to see that everybody already is living life. We want right. to be able to we want to be able to experience something that emboldens us you know it's like Mm. we want like there are dragons out there you know that we can't see that we want to be able to feel like oh yeah like just like that other character i was also in a down place and now i'm gonna be able to fortify myself for it and he doesn't give that to people he only wants to give people the nitty-gritty you know which and and i mean and perhaps there's something to be said about that you know Mm. maybe there's something to be said about giving somebody like hyper realism essentially you know in that sense but i think the even the director does this with um you know the movie where he could have just charlie charlie kaufman kaufman Mm -hmm. yeah he could have just told the story with you know this middle-aged guy confronting death and you know trying to write a play and have it be normal but the way that he set up scenes, the absurdity he put in scenes where you're just like, okay, is this real or not? Is this happening? Mm-hmm. Why does this guy have a, 
uh, a stalker. How is he not noticing the stalker there, right? Mm-hmm. And there was that point where uh, um, Sammy's literally holding his child and babysitting for him and still does not Doesn't see him. Yeah. Right. And so in that same way, uh, he's bringing out more meaning, you know, by making these absurd. He's, he's um, highlighting these areas of life that uh, you you kind of connect it to your own experience and you're like, okay, what are the things that I'm missing? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, how can I be less like Caden? Right. How can know? I be less like Caden? If I, anything, that's I, already a good moral. Am I ignoring people around me <laughs> mm. that, you know... Uh, yeah. Is the world going to hell much faster <laughs> than I'm perceiving it to right. be, you know? Right. So you start thinking about that in your own experience where um, just because of the way that they made this movie, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, it it draws your eye to that you right know? kind of it, it, you know uh your your entire interpretation about the concept of having to you know see if the perception of art can be different from life or that it has to be different from life kind of brings kind of brought to light more of Adele's paintings that you have to literally put on special glasses, you know, and put yourself in her frame of mind in order to be able to like, even, even, even take in the, the, the painting, you know? Right. And, uh, so already she already has a more sophisticated view into what it even means to interpret art and what, you know, because she's not doing landscapes or anything. Mm -hmm. She's doing naked picture and naked portraiture, you know, portraiture of women that she loves. That's even the, that's even the title of her project. You know, she like everything about her is about love, you know, like she is, uh, she encapsulates that the entirety of what it means to be essentially the artist who arts for art's sake, you know, I mean, to, to be, to, to say it in the simplest terms, essentially, because let's, let's even picture how, how we even figure out that she died. A little fax machine with one line of sentence. It says Adele has died. That's all (laughs) it is. That's all the fanfare that she even wants about her death because she's lived such a fanfare life already. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That it doesn't even matter, you know, how, whether one small line of, uh, one small line of print is all that you need to let you know that she's died, you know, because she wasn't living for anyone else at that point. She was living for herself. And if you have to want to know that she's died well there there it is you know right that's it it you is know? crazy well what well Caden does what for two hours and a whole lifetime keeps <laughs> telling people that he's going to die right you know he can't go he can't go five minutes into an intimate relationship with anybody or even the easy intimacy of sex right. without breaking down crying he ends up dying before he dies you know it's kind of oh that's what what he does he just accepts that and you see him dying through the whole play until Mm -hmm. he really ends up turning to stone as they said he's a man who's just turned to stone um yeah that's that's kind of what you see and it's crazy uh even with when we're talking about art i just realized uh that kind of surreal feel is almost realer than the what art is trying to portray right Mm -hmm. a normal scene like this but we have our own um thoughts uh predispositions things that we're dealing with where if an artist takes a a, uh canvas and you know takes Mm -hmm. this how can they show the realism of my character the like if you take a picture you Mm -hmm. won't know me for real right if someone draws 
something and shows, you know, puts something in the background to kind of, uh, you know, bring out this is this is his character. These these things represent what this character is like for mm-hmm. real in the sense that art can be more meaningful than real life than something that is just totally imitating life as Caden's play started going where it was just like just make it real gritty blah 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 Mm -hmm. but then you start missing all that stuff I feel all the stuff of the real meaning behind who is this person uh doing the thing like what's what's uh what's the story behind them what what makes them tick you know and I think art does a is a good uh medium to bring out that extra lost uh, the 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 reality that you don't see, mm-hmm. you know, right? I can totally understand that perfectly, and it kind of uh, it, it it totally falls in line actually with the concept of Caden being the director of this play, correct? So he is essentially the god of this little universe, right. and he even makes mention of that in a scene where he's walking and he tells everyone that he's going to give them all a, li- a little thought note every single day, <laughs> and then from that thought note, they're going to derive every single aspect and characterization that they're going to put forth in their character from that day, f- from that moment forward. Right. And he's like, and I get my thoughts from my own god, you know. <laughs> but the uh, but then that that just goes to show you the limit the limits of um the limits of an anthropomorphic god because that god you know Caden in that sense he's sad he's a sad god so the only kind of thoughts that he can give you is I might have cancer you know what I mean I lost my job like those are the little things that you see in the little in the little uh on his little post-it notes as he's writing them Mm. that's the only conceptualizations of reality that he can have so because of that every what if what if what if we never actually see outside new york anymore we're always only seeing the inside of new york and because of all the negative thoughts that kane has protrude throughout time only the synecdoche new york is the one that's going to crap all around mm. and, and and like the rest of the world's fine you know what i mean like mm, the rest of the world perhaps. might still have its problems but mm. because of the continual negative outpour that you know that Caden's um Caden's own mind has been right. giving he's to people. He's constructed this reality. He's constructed this reality mm. where everyone is dead at the end. Everyone, mm. everyone has pretty much been massacred in some way, and he and it's his. It's almost his greatest, greatest uh, desire to be the last person alive. He has a love, uh, like like this lust for just depression yeah. and sadness, yeah. and he's in love with it. Yeah, right? and you can kind of see. When someone really captures his, or like when Millicent just really captures how down and just hopeless he is, you it's almost like he he has an orgasm or something. Like yeah, someone like, gets me, oh my God, oh, you know, yes, like, yeah, oh, I right. suffer like this, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's what's crazy. Where anyone else, you know, could potentially be a little offended when uh, when Sammy goes and like starts talking the way he does during his interview, mm-hmm. where he's like, "No, we don't have to. We don't have to hire anyone else. Like this guy's got me down flat." Right. And then he goes into like this really deep sexual like metaphor of making like a chimera, you know, <laughs> like where the penis and vagina forever fuse. <laughs> and Caden's just sitting there like, "Yeah, yeah, this guy's got it. <laughs> like that's exactly how I feel." Right. You know, he's so he's so ready to have other people speak for him. It kind of seems like once again, leading us right back to the concept of a loss of autonomy, you know, and how some people seem to crave it. You know, Mm. it uh, 
it almost seems no to go it almost seems to go hand in hand with depression to a certain degree you know not that anybody here is a clinician to be saying you know <laughs> to be giving forth any sort of uh you know authority driven you know conclusions on it but right. let's consider just in an abstract way you know somebody with a little depre- with depression could they begin to perceive the whole world as such you know they begin to perceive the world as a depressive place wherein maybe everyone else can be doing just great but they're not they are the other in that sense mm. and uh you know if if left untreated that kind of situation swallows you up whole right it just it, it's never the kind of thing that ebbs and flows it just swallows and swallows and swallows right so i kind of seems like that's exactly what happened to caden you know he the world the world didn't seem like it was enough for him so he had to go and create his own world you he know? was afraid of his own thoughts his uh the him thinking led to those depressive just down thoughts and it seemed like he was his happiest or at least he was fine with being uh when he was being told what to do you know like Hazel, right? Oh, yeah, and Hazel just from the very beginning, right? And Hazel She's like, was and like, "Now you say, say you this. Know? I yeah. want you to beg me, mm-hmm. blah blah." And when he would, he just found joy doing what people told him to do, mm-hmm. so he wouldn't have to think about it. Exactly, and, he and maybe because be he wouldn't, with, and he wouldn't have to take responsibility for right. it. You know, imagine if Hazel was the kind of person that was like, and then you know, from the first meet, their first little bench sitting, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards he's like, "What do you want me to say?" And then what if Hazel's like, and then I want you to say that you want to take me home, you know? And mm-hmm. then would he have then said it and then done it? Under the guise that it's Hazel, you know, driving me, right? right, You know, driving me right now. I can totally see a schlubby guy like Caden totally taking that out. But he's (laughs) like, no, it's like, you know, it's like, right? He doesn't want to have the responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. That's that's and it even does culminate when they do inevitably have sex. Right. Once Adele has been gone for like a year and odd months, you know, and Mm. even then he starts, he breaks down crying because he's like, I'm a father, and it's like I'm married, and I'm. And it's like, mm-hmm. he's like, and I think I'm dying, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't deserve this kind mm-hmm. of like. Once he starts thinking again, it's it's. Uh, I I think that's a lot of people who, uh, like they're in this prison of their mind, right, where mm-hmm. they can't get out outside of those negative thoughts, where they don't, they can't switch them to something positive, and yeah. just like, if someone could just tell me what to do, like be becoming like uh an android in a sense mm. like if i didn't have to think about doing anything and it just happened right and you that's like going back to that animalistic reptilian type brain where you're just reacting to your environment in a sense it is it is kind of i i mean i've, I've had those thoughts you fantasize with that kind of like okay it'd be great if like why why do you have to uh as a human like you're always deriving all this meaning from everything, right? You can't just have something happen and just take it for what it is. It's just something that happened. You always you're always coloring your experience. You always know things before you look at them. I right. think Heidegger mentioned that once. You know, about the whole about the whole idea that when you look at a door, you know, depending on which way, which direction you're seeing the door from, either from the inside the house or outside the house, it's like it's e- the door either ha- it uh, it already has a presupposed purpose to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's either a method to get into a, a place or a method to get out of a place. But you never just see it as a piece of wood 
with maybe glass <laughs> in, inserted into it, you know what I yeah. mean? With like metal, with like little metal fobs and like knobs, you know, that right. somehow make it, you can open it, you know That's what I mean? That's like the, it is the burden of, uh, of consciousness mm-hmm. to have to, you're con- always making meaning out of your universe and it's on your shoulders to make everything meaning. I, I remember a movie called, uh, Get him to the Greek. I don't know if you've watched that. No. It had Russell Brand in it, and Russell Brand plays this uh, rock star junkie. Right? Oh, okay. And he says this line, which I always think was, I think to this day was profound. And he was just like, "Yeah, I used to be like you. I used to have all these thoughts and desires, and uh, like you know, all these depressive, you know, like like responsibilities and everything. But now." I just do drugs. That's <laughs> it. Like it's just drugs, and that's the only thing I care about. And it makes life so so much easier, <laughs> right? Because I just this is it, you know. Uh, and you kind of think about an animal doesn't really uh, look at this cup and think, oh, it's a half full, or is it half, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> is it half full or is it half empty? It's just the water. existential meaning of mm-hmm. of 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 this, right? Mm-hmm. They're just it's is can it quench my thirst that's they're just thinking about survival mm-hmm. and that's the modus operandi of of being to them right yeah it's Whereas, why wolves have to eat you know pounds upon pounds of meat in one sitting because they mm-hmm. can't they're not thinking about well i should probably save some of this caribou for later right you know? they live in the now they live forever in the now where where um humans project themselves into the future where usually the future is always not real you know it's an imaginary sure it's a maybe if they're thinking prob prob probabilistically mm-hmm. you know this this is a future that could happen but you never know no, no. right so most of the time people worry the you know like Caden mm-hmm. I'm going to die I think this is happening and he starts making up issues that he doesn't even have for some future day of agony right he's mm-hmm. already experiencing he's already, now yeah he's already tallying up the agony right, right. now you know what I even mean even though it hasn't happened he's not even sure if it will happen and it, it never doesn't. even comes he right. he dies so peacefully imagine <laughs> of all of any other type of death that right. you could possibly have you're just talking one day and all of a sudden boom that's it you're just dead your, your all your autonomic functions are just completely gone. But right. you you didn't suffer. You didn't anything. You know but the whole time you were suffering. But the whole just, time, yeah. Just thinking that oh no, this thing is gonna come for me. Life in and of itself right. was a disease for him. Um, it almost seemed like every single day was agony because he knew that oh I'm alive and that means I'm gonna die one day. Right. Oh no. Yeah. You know, like there wasn't a moment of peace anywhere in his life as a result of that. Right. And uh, I think that's a. Uh... I was reading a book recently called The Power of Now, and they kind of, uh, this guy advocates that for people to get out of their kind of, that torture of mm-hmm. being, right? All that. It's like self-flagellation. Just, you're just whipping yourself <laughs> right. every single day. Because he, he says that, I thought he was, he was definitely right about how people torture themselves about the, a future that doesn't even exist, that they've made up, right? And they forget to live in the moment and be in the moment because uh, they just obsess about a future or a past. And even with the past, you can't ever... Uh, the, the thing is, you never experience the past or the future. You're always experiencing it now, right? And even the past, even though it's happened for sure, 
the problem is you can't even remember it correctly. No, exactly. Right? We could. We almost. Got, we almost totally got messed up between whose drinking glasses. You know, were in front of us a moment ago. Exactly. It's like, How did that happen? Yeah. So it's always in a quasi state of like yeah. what what is what for the future and the past. So um, it's it's kind of crazy that you find. Uh, I mean, we do it, I, I probably still do it, and even though that I'm aware of this, uh, just torturing yourself around right. about that. And it that's that's definitely, I think, a big theme of this movie, of how Caden just has all these delusions of grandeur and just tortures himself about it. It's a miracle of both biology and just the consciousness as a whole, the fact that we can, as you said, project people into the future you know that you hope that you can become right you know like it's like that guy over there once i finish all this i'm going to be like him you mm-hmm. know and he's going to be doing great right you know always it's hoping useful that. it's oh, definitely a useful course. survival oh, skill of course of course um but not not it's become yeah, our burden not it. <laughs> yeah right it's become the burden of of now that there's no caribou homo sapiens sapiens yeah now that there's no caribous to go out and hunt <laughs> you know it's like now we have to consider now we have to do this podcast see this is, <laughs> this is what the, this is now what agriculture leads you to this podcast all right <laughs> talking all about of, the existential should, dread of yeah. being alive yep. and knowing that soon you won't you know mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, just happy, happy thoughts. That's what, that's what we're about here at this podcast. <laughs> Definitely, but, but it uh, it does it does make for some comedy though, don't you think? I mean, as I watch, the more times that I personally watch the movie, the more places I find myself smiling as I watch the movie, because right. the absurdity. Yeah, exactly. Because the absurdity shows itself front and center once you understand the fact that Caden's not going to die. Right. He's not going to suffer from any sort of actual illnesses that he's worried about. Exactly. And everyone else around him is going to, you know everyone it's it's almost like a tragic comedy you know what i mean like uh right like all that of, is true yeah Once like you watch it and knowing the end <laughs> mm-hmm. you're just like this guy's an it like he's just <laughs> making stuff, stuff up, up. And, yeah. <laughs> he's and making he's, his torture just it, it. <laughs> and he's dumb too you have to right. also consider that although we you know this is also this actually showcases some of the biases that we as the audience are inclined to have, you know, mm-hmm. like we always think that the protagonist knows best to a certain degree, you know, that he that he's in a position of a bit of moral superiority because why else would we be watching this guy? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then he goes to the dent I mean, he goes to the to the doctor and then he tells him that he doesn't think the eyes are part of the brain. You know? <laughs> and it's like you mean in like a like a right or right wrong sense? Is like a like a moral sense or like a fact sense? right facts and and then you know and then you think about claire and this is once again from multiple viewings you begin i've i've really tried to pinpoint on claire every single time she's on the screen because before she seems like such a secondary character right Mm -hmm. a prop to caden's new second life that he's going to build and but then you begin to hear what she says and she mentions the brothers karamazov you know dostoevsky's books she mentions the importance and the profundity of what the play actually signifies like she Mm. can see it like the moment that he tells her what it is that he wants to build somehow some way maybe you know maybe it's because she's kind of a sycophant you know she's kind of like a fangirl to Caden. you know but she like she falls in love with the concept of the play right away Mm -hmm. but it seems to be from 
not a superficial place. Like she understands like the more uh, philosophical like uh, underpinnings of the play. While Caden, once again, as we were talking about, he just wants to make real life. Right. I just I want to be a video camera is essentially <laughs> what he's saying. You know, right. I want to be a video camera that tells you what to think as I'm as I'm walking by and looking at you. Right. You know, and you're gonna think just as negatively as I am. You know, right. it's. It, she is actually a pretty uh like solid character as much as you she kind of represents this kind of vase that you just pour Caden pours yeah. his, uh-huh. his kind of his, his fantasies to that his, right yeah and she just becomes that you know um but at the same time you kind of see the decisions uh Caden makes with her even just seeing how the relationship happened, you know, mm-hmm. him just deciding to go with her for her mom's funeral. Was it her mom? Yeah. Yeah, her mom's her funeral. Her mom's funeral. And then that led to a whole life with just her. Just a whole complete know? splinter off situation, you know? Right. And, and how little he sees her too, because you consider, if we take it literal, you know, and say that he had never actually seen that tattoo on her back, right. it means that they might have only had sex <laughs> the one time. That you know one I mean? time, they did point that out in yeah. the analysis and yeah. I was, uh, I was like, why? I remember seeing that part. I was, yeah. I was like, what? what like, does everyone's that mean? got a tattoo, and she's you just got she the re- most like satanic looking like, like demon thing on I've her. I've never back. seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Just, so the child happened from like, the one time they had, but that's absurd. Of course, like that wouldn't, you know. It would only work if perhaps you were thinking about their life as scene changes, you know, like if they're really if like if once they stepped out, they would always come back older, you know what I mean? To take on the next scene. Mm. And like there really is no middle section between their lives, you know, like every single aspect just kind of like. uh, I I also thought Caden was so caught up in his own world and his own worries and uh, what's going to happen to him that he just wasn't noticing whole 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 patches of life were passing were by, by yeah. and a lot of meaning he was missing what happened and, to ariel you right, know? what right. happened to his other daughter exactly we, all that stuff that he can't even imprint that this is his daughter they like, all grow old ariel. and ariel stays five i noticed that also of a couple times that i watched the movie is that claire is walking with ariel at, like once they're you know like when they're walking outside and you see like all of like the like the trucks taking people away in the mm. middle of the night and uh yeah ariel's still like five years old but claire looks like she's aged like 10 years you know so it's like is that even ariel like are they using the prop girl like as yeah, ariel like are they taking thing. her home like that was a point in the in the movie where you just get so confused so confused um, right on if they're is, is this a play or are they being themselves for real mm-hmm. it that that becomes very difficult. Very, it's definitely a movie you have to watch a couple of times, and you'll get layers. You you called it an onion of a movie, yes. And I definitely agree with that assessment. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we should probably get to a point. We uh, close up this discussion. Yeah, right. We don't want to make we don't want to make a, the whole synecdoche situation. Where we make one podcast about life just overtaking every other podcast ever. I think uh it'll be cool and if uh people in the comments would like it uh uh to do more uh breakdowns about synecdoche in the future, maybe specific aspects of it uh, cuz it it definitely is a lot going on in Yeah, here. I mean um, we pretty much only touched on like the small like the most 
basic aspects of every single section of the movie, but we just wanted we wanted to throw a we wanted to throw our hat in the ring in terms of like just the discussion. You know, we wanted to open the discursivity of what you as the audience having good job by the way having listened to us the entire time you know what do you think about this whole situation you know are we full of crap you know was it is this really a movie even worth thinking this hard about you know right. that's actually it's actually a very interesting concept of how one spends one time you know it's mm. like just in the same way that it's important to know how one's going to die how one spends one's time is also just as important you know you might think it silly that two grown men will spend an hour and a half talking about a two-hour movie you know about a schlubby guy you right. know but it is same... that coloring of the experience yeah. especially from their background uh which would be interesting to see how people will project themselves onto this film and how uh they'll because for me mm -hmm. coming from usually i watch movies with a lot more action going right, on right. Or this and like this was more of like wow this guy is just they're like bringing me down man mm -hmm. so i want you know one thing i <laughs> one thing i enjoy to do is finding things that i enjoy and then going to amazon and reading like the low one star two star reviews that people have given the thing that i like mm -hmm. and that's one thing that people always say about this movie is that it's too it, it just moves too slow like it like the there's like a general energy that the movie gives them that they're like oh my god like yeah. i can watch 20 minutes of this movie and it's like i have to leave it you know? is it is it's something uh, that if you aren't in it for just all the metaphors it's bringing up about life and existentialism, all that stuff, it can be if you if you want a movie to watch a movie to be entertained solely, probably not. Probably not that. Probably not this one. No, no. It's uh, it's 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 gonna it's not gonna take you on that emotional roller coaster. It's gonna be pretty. A downwards, yeah, it's gonna it be stays a downwards down. spiral. Yes, but if we want to keep to our uh, onion analogy, you know, just like an onion, the closer you get to chopped onion, the closer you get to the examination, the more you want to cry because the more you know, right. the more wafting it gets. But I, we find that it's worth it, you know, and I hopefully, definitely. and hopefully, you as the audience found listening to us and just you know our uh, just. Our thoughts on the whole con on the whole con on the whole concept of it, the uh, the theme, spending our time on it. I just hope that it was all worth it to you guys too. Right. So definitely go watch the film and let us know what you think. Uh, also, I gotta give that shout out again to your your movies. movie suck. <laughs> yes, we will be for sure that hyperlinking channel. at least part one onto our YouTube right. uh, channel for this because without that guy's analyses, this would be far more bare bones. I think you know, like that guy, he's he went he, he went at it, research. he went at it, you know. Uh, but uh, but anyways, yeah. Thank you for listening to us and good day and good night. All right. <laughs>